Um, mate, I've never had the drink. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I'm really curious to see how, oh, how, nice. how, how oh, it all works. Oh, I didn't know if you had some. I'm like, when we get stuff, we'll send you some. But um, <laughs> I can't send you anything at the moment. Mate, is this about, <laughs> mate? I couldn't, I couldn't freaking find it anywhere. Really? Dan Murphy's. No, he's got them. But here we go. Drove around all around Melbourne to get these. Are you supposed to refrigerate them or are you just yeah, supposed to just the, drink the them? Cold, the better cold. Way better cold. For the purpose, for the purpose and just neck it anyway. I asked Mate, the guy. Yeah. I asked the guy at BWS. I'm like, man, have you had this? And he said, no. I said, hey, you're supposed to drink a cold. And he's like, no, no, you can just drink a warm or cold, whatever you want. I'm like, <laughs> okay. As long as it works, mate. It was good for you either way, that's for sure. Where, where, are, you, where are you? Apple juice, I reckon. A little bit weird, funky apple juice. Oh, funky. man, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's super yeah. sweet. It's like oh. a baby drink. Yeah, it is a little bit, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. it? It obviously looks like one, but it's got that little yeah. nice sweetness about it. But it's bloody good for you. Is it? Yeah, yeah very, really very good, good for you. you. It's like a whole pear in one and the cream. Oh, we'll talk about it, but yeah, <laughs> it's bloody good for well, you. Well, it's got nothing but pear, but Korean pear. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Robert Baharian, and this is Masters in Investing. On this show, I talk to guests about financial markets, the economy, investing, and business. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us an awesome review. Let's get into it. My guests today are Liam and Tim from Bayjuice, an Aussie startup whose products are now stocked all across the country. We talk about what it takes to start a business, the overnight success that actually took 10 years, the power of relationships, and why saying yes more often than no is actually a good thing. I hope you enjoy my conversation. Let's get into it. Robert Baharian is the founder and CEO of Baharian Wealth Management, AFSL 526798. The information contained in this podcast may include general advice and does not consider your particular circumstances. You should seek advice from a registered financial advisor who can consider if the general advice is right for you. Well, <laughs> Liam, Tim, Bayjuice boys, welcome to Masters in Investing. Thank you. Good to be on here. Happy days. Um, boys, so I'm just having this for the first time. Mm. Yeah, one, full, one full pair? One, one whole, whole pair. pair. One big green pair. Nuji? Is that where it's from? Where's it from? from? What's that? Naju. 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 Naju, yeah. Very famous for the pair, the, What's so famous about it? The the pear the pear's been grown for like it's like an icon of Korea, you could almost say. Um, Thanksgiving's coming up actually in September, and that's where every person in Korea gifts each other with pretty much Korean pears. Really. Yeah, right. That's the core of it. Um, but it's just Should been around I go forever. Grab a beer now? Why not? You may as well. It's <laughs> two o'clock, whatever day it is. <laughs> but yeah, mate, it's very famous, very good for you. It's been around forever, and it's got lots of different health health benefits, so they love it. Yeah, awesome. So, like, boys, I'm really curious. Can you just give us a bit of a, like, maybe a bit of a flashback as to, like, what were you doing? Were you just getting pissed in Korea and just stumbled across this and it worked like a, like a, I don't know, like an old mother's tale remedy and it kind of worked miraculously? Like, what's the, 
What's pretty the much. urban you legend? It. You nailed it then, pretty oh, much. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's as simple as that. There was no um. There's no real thought process or planning or or preparation for it. It was literally me and one of our business partners, Sumin. We were traveling around Korea. I was meeting all the family, the like sort of in the countryside in Seoul. It was awesome. So I had a pretty big boozy sort of few months, uh, meeting friends, fam, just drinking every day. And that's when Sumin and a few of her friends actually gave me the cream pear and said, make sure you eat or make sure you drink this because it's in all different formats. Um, this shit helps your hangovers. Like it legit does. My parents drink it. My granny drinks it when she decides to have a drink. <laughs> so it did. So it had that sort of mother's tale um, angle to it, which was sick. And then um, Sumin's mum's talking about, you know, the health benefits she had it during pregnancy. You have it after working out. It's high in fiber. So it's like this wonder, like this wonder fruit that I'd never heard of. Um, and especially when I came back to Melbourne and told Liam and we went sort of through the market research and the case studies of it and all that. He'd never really heard of it or tried it or even seen it. So, yeah, mate, it was one of those things. We stumbled across it in Korea, was hooked on it. There's research on it. There's different drinks sort of in Asia like, that sort of use the cream pear a lot. And that's when we just sort of became obsessed with it, really, like reading reports and placebo studies and all this sort of stuff. And it all proved and lent towards it that the cream pear helped you hangover. So we were pretty much hooked from that day. Four and a half, it's been like four years. We've spoken about cream pear every day since, I reckon. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's out of control. So then, so how did you know, so Liam, you weren't in Korea at the time? At the time, no. And how do you guys know each other? School, from school. Yeah, uh, cool. So we, uh, yeah, we go back since uh, 2005. 2005, we go back to. And so, Tim, when were you in, when, when were you, were you in Korea at the time? Um, so visiting the first time was to the end of 2017. That was my uh, my first time there. Um, and that was the first time trying the pair, which was awesome. And then it wouldn't have been, and then we sort of went back to the middle of 2018 um, for a holiday slash to find a manufacturer and put this thing together. So yeah, it was that first time trying 2017, second time in 2018, it was uh, on the, the, the pear juice hunt. And then what happened from 2018? And here we are in 2021. You guys are, yeah. are now in, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, in Woolworths and BWS and your online store as well. I don't know if you're yeah. anywhere, anywhere yeah. else, but like, how did you go from just drinking in, in South Korea to putting this stuff into Aussie shelves oh. at Woolies and BWS? Yeah, it's a bit of a crazy process, really. Um, and, and one that I find the more I look back on, the less I remember, if, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just, it was so hectic and, we didn't really have much strategy or, or money or experience. So we kind of just, we got hooked on it. We'd, we'd given it to hundreds of people. They all loved it. Friends, family, friends of friends, whoever. We just gave the pair to. Um, and it was in a Korean writing, well packaged from, we brought it from Korea. And then we found it at a few little boutique Korean stores, but they only had sort of 10 or 12 of them. So we would just buy them every time, give them to people. Everyone loved it. And we go, right, we've just got to do this. Um, and that was when me and Sumin flew back to Korea sort of six months later after the first visit um, and met her dad and her auntie. And we said, look, we need to find a manufacturer of this Korean pair. Um, and it was sort of three days later, we found ourselves in another state in Korea on a bus for an hour and a bullet train. And we're in this quite sort of really cool agricultural sort of area. Um, and that's where we sort of had our first meeting, told them what we wanted to do, told them how much Aussies love drinking and, spoke about the attendance at um, the spring carnival, attendance at grand final. Um, and besides, you know, you've got your college and your state, like having 100,000 people at a stadium for a party or an event, it's pretty huge. So 
they were sort of really into it and, and all the retail um, opportunities and that we're going to be the first to the market with a pair. So they were in straight away. Um, they gave us a tour, gave us hairnets, gumboots, and we were, we were walking around the facilities. And they pretty much said to us, if you can go back to Australia, set up a company, build a strategy and put together a brand, we'll happily manufacture this for you and we'll be your supplier. So I guess that was when the three of us, me, Sumi and Liam, um, we touched back down, we got together, set up a little space in um, mm. my parents' study, bang, we were off. It's, what are we going to call this thing? How do we set up a bank account? Um, what the hell happens with tax and GST and all the other shit you got to do when you run a business? But, you know, like oh, I'm a barista, Liam was real estate, Sumi was a hairdresser. Um, so we had real no clue what we're doing. We had to get barcodes done. We had to get safety checks on the product for shelf life. It was just it was nuts. Like, and we had no idea what we're doing, but I think it was just reaching out to people, leveraging off each other, um, doing big whiteboard sessions and late nights. And you can more not, like more often not come up with the answers if you if you looked hard enough. Um, so that was that sort of first crazy process. And it wasn't until January 2019 we had our first container arrive. Um, and that was pretty crazy. Um, that that was the old, you know, like I always say this, we'd never even sent a letter in the mailbox. I still haven't yet either. Um, to anyone ever before. And here we are bringing 40 foot containers of like 8,000 kilos of cream pear juice from, you know, Southeast Asia to Australia. So it was crazy, man. Like I, 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 no wonder I can't remember half of it. We were just trying to figure it out the whole time and trying to build a brand. We had 41 versions or volumes of, of our packaging, whether it was colors mm. and names, where does our Instagram go? Where's the barcode go? So it was, it was just pure madness, but um, it was quite a, it's quite amazing. You look back from trying it, going back, sourcing it, bringing it to Australia, building a brand, getting our first shipment. So that was that sort of first half of it. Maybe Liam can sort of touch on what we did after that, but it was, it was pretty pretty wild really. Um, but it was an amazing experience. So the, the, the juicer you've got now that's packaged up in this thing here, you guys found the manufacturer in Korea. Um, it, it's not like you go and find someone who already, make, who already makes this, the, the, the pear into a juice and then just label it bay juice and import it like you have the pears harvested you have them i don't know crushed or whatever and and juiced up into your own thing and then shipped over here for you guys sort, sort of no we, we we did that first part so we found the largest manufacturer of cream pear juice right um with full confidence without even having set up a business account yet full confidence we needed to find the most volume for when we run out in a few years um but, so we looked for the biggest straight away but no no that they were already producing cream pear juice um, into sachets the only modification we did was sourcing the cap so they yeah, had it like hardcore like sunny boy style we got yeah, to rip it yeah, up the yeah, yeah, yeah. so we sourced the cap and sort of did a bit of npd on that not that yeah. it's extensive um and that's what we've come up with yeah yeah okay cool and then so you've got the product how much of the you know if you think about um uh young young or older people or entrepreneurs here in australia uh, especially post-COVID, who are in the food game or in, in any other game for that matter, who are trying to run a business or start a business. You know, there's a lot of talk about, and there's a reason why people go and manufacture overseas, right? It's a lot cheaper. Maybe people are a lot more accommodating than, than, they, what, than what they might be here in Australia as well. What do you think, was, it, was the connection in Korea the key to being able to find a manufacturer there where you've got a, a nice warm introduction or, or was, was that not part of the equation? Well, what do you reckon, Liam? I, I think, I think the, the, the example that comes straight to my head and this just sort of explains it beautifully 
is a small boutique competitor that's in maybe 20 stores and it started a couple of years ago. Um, and their RRP is almost double our price. Um, and it's all done in Australia. So they're, they're under, just under eight bucks. Ours is four. Um, we get it done overseas, they get it done locally. So I think that sort of mirrors straight away yeah. the balance of sourcing it locally and not locally. Um, and then for them, for a small business, the investments are you know, double the price of ours. Um, you know, and they can't guarantee they'll sell the stock as a new product. So for us, mm. we can roll in with a really nice wholesale price that isn't too confronting. Boom, we're on. Shelf-ready packaging, everything's done, all done in Korea. We just send it from A to B. So it's quite smooth and seamless besides the difficulty with freight forwarding and the marine cost and shipping. Um, but you can see straight away, our RRP is four, competitors sort of high $7. So it's a big so what, investment for someone to buy. Yeah, totally. And so what advice would you boys give to someone who's setting up here who wants to wants to be able to manufacture? I mean, the fact that with COVID now, we can't really be traveling the world and inspecting manufacturers and wholesalers and things like that. Like, how do people here in Australia go about do, running and getting their business off the ground where we don't have the luxury of having contacts in Korea or, or any, any other place for that matter? I mean, what's your advice to these people? Uh, it's, a good, it's a good question. Like there's, oh, we, there's, there's so many points you'd want to touch on with that, that one, but essentially like we were always big on, you know, obviously price is a huge thing. And, I, you know, for $4 RRP for 120 mils doesn't sound like much, but psychologically. I, I paid five bucks for this, man. Oh, yeah. Through yeah. <laughs> the bottom. Uh, yeah. different. $4.99. $4.99. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like just, I just think the $5 barrier is, is such a big um, sort of mental. Um, like a psychological you know, barrier where. Yeah, you know, like, you know, it's, just, it's the coins versus the notes kind of, the kind of deal as well. So I suppose like, you can get anything done here probably in Australia at the moment, but with ours, you know, we're, we're big on sort of, you know, paying respects to Korean culture and sort of the way we like to describe it is a lot of companies, you know, they do their, um, you know, products or trends or whatever that's you know, big in Eastern culture and or, or Western culture and take it over to, to Asia. We're sort of doing the reverse, you know, we're taking these sort of, like you said, these um, mother's tales, wife's tales kind of, um, you know, things like the Korean pear, which are sort of actually work, um, you know, and we're introducing them into our culture. Um, so, you know, it was always important for us to get our product manufactured over in South Korea, um, you know, to pay hobbies, to, to, to go to and find the biggest yeah. um, manufacturer of the pear, to, to, to go and make sure the manufacturer is located, you know, essentially where the Korean pear was born. And, um, you know, so it was always very you know important for us to keep the traditional angle um you know and, and I, I sort of think that you know if we wanted to get our green pears grown in sort of sunny queensland or tropical queensland wherever the best climate to grow them in australia would be wouldn't it sort of doesn't make them green pears um yeah so i suppose it sort of really depends on you know what product you're, you're really sort of introducing or, or or what you know what you want your business to be but i suppose you know the other thing as well that we have to do with the shipping is, yes, it's cheaper to get manufacturing over there, but when, you know, shit hits the fan like it does now with COVID, you know, we're always, we're always paying double what it comes to get in. It takes longer to get here. So, you know, it's not necessarily when you want to get it. Um, so it's just make sure what, what is what is easiest for your, your business to operate out. You know, what's, what's a great process that you can get down that is sort of 
you know, now it's got to be pandemic proof. It's got to be pandemic proof. What were you going to say, Tim? Um, I just think it was like in terms of some advice for people that are launching a product um, is well, Lean went door to door to 100 stores in the first 12 months. Um, and people don't do that anymore. We know for a fact because people asked how we did it. We let's talk about it. that, man. Go, yeah. Let's, let's we, go we, into that because I think that's did, really important. Yeah. And then we touched base with people that we told you need to go to 50 stores, 100 stores to learn about your product, the pricing, the reaction, to talk to the manager about how did customers engage with the product, any feedback, any repurchases, really unbelievable information. Um, and that's what Liam did for about sort of the first 12 to 18 months. Just door-to-door, door-to-door, IGA, Bottolo, Cafe. And, yeah. and that's the difference. And people aren't doing that because we touch base them six months later and they go, did you mean any stores? They go, oh, no, we tried to hire some sales rep or no, we couldn't do it. We didn't have time. It's like, well, like that's 100 stores. That's cash flow. It's sales. It's brand awareness. It's You can leverage off it. You know, you can post on Instagram, win a new store and everyone messages you going, unbelievable job. Well done, boys. That's huge. You got into two stores. You know, so it's like that's all the hustle. Like that's what it is. Is it how, how how underrated is what you're just talking about? So you know, someone goes and hires a rep to go do all the hard yards, so to speak. But I, you know, if you're presumably if you're starting a brand new company and a brand and a brand like yours, where Liam, you talk about, and as much as I can probably dumb it down and say it's about the narrative, where and it's a lot of this is marketing too, and I. Absolutely hear you, man, where you talk about Korean pear juice, that it's grown in Korea, produced in Korea, manufacturing in Korea. We bring that part and parcel bundled up here to Australia rather than yeah. growing it in, in sunny North Queensland, for example. Correct. And so you've, yeah. got the, you've got the narrative there. But, and the reason why I'm saying that is because presumably then no one's going to pitch the pitch or have the passion or the advocacy that you have because this is something that you... You know, Tim, you said you're bristed. Um, Liam, you're in real estate. No one's going to believe this shit more than you, yeah. right? And I'm just wondering how important is, you know, wearing the soles of your shoes down, going door to door, walking the footpath with, I don't know, boxes and boxes of stuff yeah. and literally trying to get product in people's hands. How important is that? The most important thing, really, at the, at the end of the day, and like one disclaimer to that is, you know, we're pretty fortunate, Tim and I, in the sense that our, our background, doing something like that, whether it be for your own brand or for someone else, kind of came habitually. It's pretty pretty natural. You know, we we started off, well, our, one of our first jobs outside of school was sort of door knocking for the Peter Mac, you know, McCallum Cancer Foundation, trying to get sort of monthly donations there. So, you know, we're going door to door in, you know, all over Melbourne just to do that for, you know, on a 100% commission-based structure. Um, you know, so it's, knock doors or don't make money basically and then you know i you know tim goes down a different path but i go into real estate and it's you know dropping brochures off when you've got a property that you're trying to sell or you know when you're trying to list a property you're still going door to door and speaking to different owners so it was always it's just been part of my life that that shit since you know i finished school so when it came to trying to get our yeah having a product there and putting it up on you know all these e different e-commerce platforms it's great but you know it's not really real until it's on the shelf for us so mm. um so, so that's just something that that was you know we always plan to do it we always you know even yeah. day one when the shipment arrived it wasn't about going into stores but we had stock that we were driving around going door to door to our friends giving them stock so it was always just making sure that we were just putting product in people's hands and 
And I, and I just feel anyway, with all that shit, like if, if I hadn't had any of that experience with door knocking, I think it still would have just sort of come naturally anyway with just how I am. It's just, you know, got to get the product there. And, you know, you might visit as 10 IGAs with, with your juice or whatever it might be. And three of them, you know, everyone's busy. They've got a job to do. They might engage with you. They might, they might not. You know, they might just say yes, but give you the yes. It's like, yes, piss off, please. You know, and we'll put it on, which is when follow-up becomes really important. But also there might be two or three out of them that really appreciate that it's the owner going door to door. That's the difference. Know, so, yeah. You know, and they fucking love it. You know, why, so, why you know, is that the difference? Why? Because, why, then why? Get, because then you get to build a great relationship with them, you know? So when, when they call you two, time, two, two weeks down the track or two months down the track when they've ordered a couple of times and they say, can I get a couple of boxes? You say, well, how about you have five? They say yes, because, you know, you sort of build that relationship with them. It could be like a matey relationship, it could be a professional relationship, whatever it is. It's a friendly face. I always pick up the phone like they're my best mate. How are you going? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and eventually you, you get to the point where I've got great relationships with so many of the independents around here. You know, Frank Convenience Store, Sam, he's a legend down there. He's got one in sort of Alwood as well. He calls me and I tell him how much to order. You know? So, <laughs> so I, I love it, that. It's, so that's just like, yeah. you know, that, that, so it's almost the most important thing, relationships as well. And, um, yeah, you can't feel you can't have a relationship like that, Liam, with everyone that solves your product, right? No, you can't. It's impossible. But you get the foot in Some the door. So, yeah, I think in, in the summary out of this section is we wouldn't be in Woolworths, Dan Murphy's, or BWS if we hadn't grinded the first hundred. I think that's a nice summary for anyone out there. We hadn't worn the soles off our shoes, used some of our skills, and just pitched our own product. We wouldn't have got into the, we're in almost 2,000 stores now. We'd probably still be in 100 because we would have got a couple of small boutique retailers, and that's it. So that's the difference. That's, that's that 2,000 store difference by grinding on your ass for the first 12 months, I think, in summary. The other thing is with that is as well is like, you know, the way you could sort of perceive this conversation like, yeah, we're in Moors, we're in Gambit, we're in BWS. You know, we don't care about the little guy anymore. It's just IGA. But, but the first time we got into an IGA, the first one was in South Yarra. Two Rack Road, South Yarra, right across the road from South Yarra Station. That was a fucking big deal for us at the time. And a lot of people were like, holy shit, like that's awesome. Just one store. <laughs> yeah. And then, so Tim, you said before, you said Liam can take over the rest after you sort of brought it here. Maybe Liam, if I can ask you then that second half of you going from wearing the soles of your feet down, knocking doors, knocking on the doors of IGAs and independents and things like that. Um, like what happened from there on in? Like what was the thing that kind of broke it and you're like, okay, now we're on. This is now happening. Not because of, of the fact that you had pallets of shipments coming in. That, like that wasn't it. <laughs> but like what was the thing where it made you go, all right, boys, we're on. This is happening. Yeah, that's a good question. I've kind of always felt like it's weird, but I felt that kind of from day one anyway when the product got here. But I suppose like our biggest sort of smile, like our yeah our biggest milestone now would probably be a trial, a, a trial that we got in Dan Murphy's in August of last year. Like it's crazy, it's only last year, but um, yeah. So so we applied for Dan Murphy's a couple of times just through through really just you know just being um, you know representing ourselves, really not having any idea of what certain terminologies meant or. <laughs> Um, how best it was to present to these different category managers and buyers for these bigger brands. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of consultants on George and Christian Thrive Collective Consultant, shout out there for them. But, um, you know, 
uh, yeah, we had said no. We'd been given the no from Dan Murphy's twice. Um, and then, you know, we're sort of talking strategy with Christian and George on the phone with a, a weekly call that we normally do. And it was sort of around them knowing someone who works at Dan Murphy's and, you know, they, they, they know that there's a trial coming up and maybe we can see if we can get ourselves in there. And it was a real Hail Mary, I reckon, um, you know, back then, sort of thinking, fuck it, let's just say, let's just give it a go. Because I reckon it was probably two months after they said no to us from actually getting rain. So we thought we were no chance and they turned around and, and said yes. And we were all of a sudden stocked in um, 16 different stores, sort of mm. 11 here in, no, hang on, 10 in Vic and, and six up in, in New South Wales, um, which is awesome. And at the time you're going, this is great. You know, we we get to make a noise about it. We get to align our pages logo with the Dan Murphy's logo. You yeah. Know, well-known, well-known brand. It's, 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 so fucking exciting, all that shit. So I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to be swearing, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, that was big moments right yeah. at the start. But uh, but it was a huge moment for us, and um, and then you get there and you go right now we got to sell it. So the real confidence comes from you know when you get emails from of new orders being placed for stores and um, you know this this state wanting two pallets. So that's 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 the real excitement, and that's that's where you just get more and more confident because you go, right. So there's, there's people that are going in, um, you know, and especially when you're in, when you're in a retailer now, which we have been for almost a year at Woolworths um, and the numbers are growing each month. So, um, you know, we're on the right path. I think, I think the PR side as well, if I can touch on that. So that was the retail side, but the digital side and the online worlds, we had articles with daily mail, broadsheet, urban list, news.com, inside FMCG, industry-related stuff, lifestyle-related stuff. We put together a press release and we just blasted it. Um, and the, the, da- the Daily Mail did a feature on um, three young people, a barista, the same narrative that we already, yeah, we already yeah. told you. They, they did the same narrative and we had like 5,500 people visit our website that hour. Like it was out of Yeah, control. wow. All our pink pictures everywhere. There's pictures of us at restaurants from two years ago that they found on Instagram about the three of us. Um, and it was just sick. Like we blew up. We did like tons of sales online. People that were ignoring us over the last few months, all of a sudden, hey, Tim, hey, Liam, good to hear from you. Uh, I know we didn't reply to you, but you know, we thought we'd pop up again. So all of a sudden people started approaching us rather than us being all desperate. So the PR side of things in that first large retailer was like, well, on, here we go. So I've got a few questions on that. There's, there's three things that are coming to my mind. Liam, to your point before about knocking on the door of Dan Murphy's, because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are starting their own businesses and setting up product and trying to get into whether it's independence or bigger stores or it doesn't even necessarily need to be in, in food or drink. Like it could be in something else. Like Dan Murphy's knocked you back twice, Right. And you talk to Christian and George, they kind of say, hey, we know the guy's here. And there's a connection there that starts to um, sort of spark another conversation. In the absence of that, if you didn't have Christian and George, right, like what do you think that likelihood would have been, um, in all honesty, of getting back into Dan Murphy? Because they've told you to piss off basically, right? That's what yeah, they said. Yeah. Well, they can't. They- they said no. They said no. We got to throw into the bus. One of the best things about Christian and George is, like, when we first get in, you know, start try to apply for, um, for Dan Murphy's is was like it was very through someone else. We didn't really have a direct contact there, um, so there wasn't a communication line between Bayjuice and, um, you know, a direct contact for Dan Murphy's. It was always through. Uh, a supplier portal that you sort of upload different sort of sure. 
sort of decks pitching your product basically yeah. and and a, and a great thing with christian and george with us um you know is that they've got relationships so even when we do get a no from a retailer we're getting a no and then reasons why you know we're not just getting a no and then going fuck what what was it was it you know was it the product itself was it timing just wasn't right or was it you know there yeah there's all different reasons why you don't stock the product and a lot of them aren't because the person doesn't like your product um, it's got to do with timing and, and sure. performance of other SKUs and other brands. Yeah, but having someone, having a point of contact there is really important is what you're saying. It's again, it's like, it's like uh, having someone at the IJ. It's, a, it's just a relationship. Relationship, it's a relationship yeah. business, you know? So, um, and it's also important as well because so many, like sometimes it feels like these people, these, uh, these buyers and these category managers sort of chop and change um, positions and, and roll around more than um, some international footballers. So, you know, there are different clubs, they're in different positions. So, um, you know, you, you want to know that information as well. So it's very, very important. You know? that, that's actually a really good point, Liam, because more or less the, you, 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 you and your product is at the mercy of, in the hands of someone who might not even be there in two weeks' time. Hundred percent. And then you're you're yeah. you know, they've gone. You're there in the dark, waiting for a response from from Dan Murphy's or BWS or whoever it is. Meanwhile, Frank, the product manager, oh Frank yeah, yeah, left yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. Well, well, we we had a category manager position change mid ranging at Dan Murphy's, pretty much. You know where the one one buyer said, "Yep, no worries, love your product. Let's let's range it in the stores." And then. Two weeks later, when we were sort of sorting out the particulars, said, oh, by the way, I'm leaving this position and moving elsewhere. And this is the new person, which is also as well a little bit scary because now you're dealing with sort of someone who... Yeah, start um, again almost. don't know what, yeah. what role they had in the decision-making. And, and Tim, you were talking about a collective sort of PR um, pitch where you went across different mediums. Like a lot, a lot of startups and a lot of companies don't, may not have the financial resources to engage a PR agency to be able to um, put together, you know, a communication like that. So one, I mean, it, it sounds like it was really important to help give you guys a bit of a boost because it sounds like you guys have been knocking on a lot of doors, sending a lot of emails and just, you know, just donuts. You, you don't yeah. hear back from these and you follow up and follow up and follow up. So what I'm hearing from you is that, that that's totally normal. If you're pitching to people and emailing and people aren't responding, like don't take it personally. It's not just you. It's people are busy. They're getting emails out of the blue. So don't exactly sweat it. Right. Is, that, is that right? Well, I think there's one really good example. Oh, there's a couple actually. And that's, um, that's the classic LinkedIn, typing in journalists, finding a couple of people that you know have covered similar stories in the beverage space, the party space, hangover space, career space, whatever it might be that has some relation to what we're doing. Um, and we've got a press release we're, we're whipped up that we didn't do, that one of Liam's ex-colleagues did. Um, you know, again, just reaching out to your network, getting assistance with a, a press release, which takes them five minutes, um, and bang, we've got a professional one ready to go. So again, so you don't have to engage a, a, a national or international PR agency to be able to do this stuff for you guys. We've never had, we, we don't have one. We didn't have one at the start either. We couldn't afford it. Um, and just, you know, just so, on so that, our, our, yeah. our, our last um, press release is actually done by... A girl who serves his beer at the local pub, at our local pub, who <laughs> studied PR and wants to get into PR. And we said, fine, write us a press release. So, and um, she did. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool. It was. So just, just branching out. So we've always been good at that. Um, but, but what was the most important thing is, 
I'd hit up this one lady, the news.com um, article we had, her name's Alexis, and she's an absolute champ. Um, and I saw lots of correlation between what she writes about and what I wanted to do a piece about with her. I hit her up, no reply. I hit her up, no reply. I hit her up and she'd seen it and no reply. And I was sort of like, bugger, damn it. Um, and whilst I felt like I was annoying at the same time, you know, like, you know, like I, I just, I just kept going. So I hit her up one more time. Uh, so this is our fourth time. And she goes, Hey Tim, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I haven't replied. So here I am thinking I'm absolutely bugging her out. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I haven't replied. I have looked through what you originally sent, but it just was bad timing. Now COVID's really hit and everyone's at home feeling a bit flat. I've had your story in the back of my mind and I'd love to call you and speak for about an hour get some quotes from you and your business partners and we'll do a huge article on you on news.com. Um, so yeah, here wow. I was thinking I was annoying her, but no, I was just in the back of her mind. She's got lots of things going on. She's a journalist. So she's typing, she's story writing, you know, it's a lot to handle all these different conversations. So she popped up and said, no, nah, here we go. Thanks for hitting me up. The timing's right now. I'm ready. So here we are, you know, like, isn't that incredible? You know, I thought it was really annoying her and maybe I was being a bit of a pest, um, you know, but the result was she did an article we did five grand's worth of sales in however long because 10,000 people saw it in the first five seconds. I had people, I had friends, cousins, people from overseas messaging me like, I've seen your article. Um, Daily Mail's copied it now. So the Daily Mail posted it again hours later um, and we're off and running. So just keep in mind that there was no PR fee. All we did was ask our friend at the pub to write the article. We've done 5Ks worth of sales in a matter of minutes which is what the retainer would have cost. So we're at a pretty good margin now with our PR. Um, and the brand awareness was up high. We're leveraging off it. We're hitting up other media saying, look what people are writing about us. Why don't we do a tailored version of this for your audience? And we're away. Um, so that's a very cost-effective, good revenue way to, to do some PR, which we've always been pretty good at, I reckon, as a team. 100%. And yeah, the message there is that we don't hate PR agencies. There's PR agencies out there that are bloody good. They're very, very good. Um, it just wasn't plausible for us at the time. You know, we weren't one of the brands that started, you know, with 250K in the bank, um, you know, from either an angel investor or someone who saw potential in us. We started with five grand between us, um, you know, and we pissed 35 grand down the drain in the first six months on different things as well. So, <laughs> you know, when we came to the time saying, let's get an article happening, you know, we really, really didn't have the money there to pay a um, PR agency. So, that's sort of how we've always done it. We get to a stage now, which is great that we can, you know, we're looking in actually engaging a PR agency and sort of getting us on some different platforms. But, um, you know. If so you shout were, out to any of... PR agents listening, Baijuice <laughs> looking for a new PR agent. Yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> um, so, and, and if you, if you're, yeah, so yeah, sorry, just to finish that off, if you're, um, yeah, if you're willing to sort of spend two months going back and forth on LinkedIn and, messaging people with, without getting a response and things like that, then definitely just try and get the PA yourself. I think maybe if you're, if you're really committed and you're at a point where you don't have angel investment or you don't have capital that's backing you and you kind of need a, you are the capital, the human capital yeah. that needs to push this thing and, and drive it. Because a lot of people just see all of a sudden no one, well, don't take, it, don't take this literally, no one knew Bay Juice, but now everyone knows Bay Juice. Yeah. And then it kind of just happened like that. Yet no one hears the stories of flying to Korea, back, manufacturing, right. trying trying to, you know, we were yeah, chatting before yeah. and you got to put these damn tent. Because I looked at this, I'm like, why have, they got, why have they got this really good packaging? And then they've got this shitty little sticker they've stuck manually on. I'm like, why has <laughs> why that happened? And, you know, you've told me the story about that and what, what's happened. So you encounter all these things 
but no one really sees that. And it's, you know, the overnight success and LinkedIn, I think, especially for a lot of people is, can be, um, what's the word? Not daunting, but you get a lot of people posting about their success and yeah, what they're yeah, doing the and look yeah, at, yeah. what was that, Tim? A lot of bullshit. No, that was me. That was me. But I, I was about to say ego, me. but yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the ego, right? And you see all of that getting pushed on LinkedIn and you're like, far out, look what these guys are doing and look at my business, the thing that I tried to start, it's not working. Why are they getting success and I'm not? So I guess that what, what I'm trying to get to now is like, how much of the background work do we do we not see? And then it's a, um, a double question here, but then how much of your mental capacity and mental space and having the right frame of mind play into your ability to be able to think clearly, to stay calm, to not get so caught up in your ego that you're now driving your business decisions, not from a place of calm and love and clarity, but you're doing it from a place of jealousy, comparison and ego. So I might leave a comment on that. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty hectic. It's um, oh, I, I, I'm just I've got a few different things in in mind regarding that question and the ego side first, the, the the more authentic side, and and it comes back down to two different posts I did on LinkedIn, and, and that's what's spurring my my thought process now. One being, yep, cool, Bay Juice get 1.5 million dollar Woolworths deal over you know the course of 12 months revenue. How exciting! Takes their company yada yada, and it was. One of those classic, you know, man turns product into $1.5 million company. You know, we've all seen them. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, that, that got heaps of likes, heaps of comments. It was really cool. And then one day I thought, fuck it. I'm going to post a screenshot of our, of our business balance six months ago. And it was four cents. Um, and it was, was when that real? Thought, yeah, real as shit. Real as. And I remember the moment. I remember where I was. I remember why I did it going, one day we're going to piss ourselves at this. We had four cents in our account. And everyone's telling us how much we're killing it four cents like it's that's a piss take so i screenshot and i posted and i had like 1100 people like it and like 400 people comment on it so just the authenticity of that getting 1100 likes could say mm. it went viral had 60,000 people view it versus me glorifying hey we had a one million dollar deal look at us a couple of hundred likes i think it's such a good example and it's on linkedin what we're actually talking about in two different ends of the spectrum so mm. i think we've always tried to really tell our narrative, our story and our good and bad moments. Um, and I think we've done that very well over time because you're right. It can get egotistical and, and, and a bit crazy in that world. And I think to answer your question, how do we sort of mentally deal with decisions and, and everything on a daily basis? Well, I think it's, I think it's great that first that we have each other, but you know, it's been a grind. Um, and it's, you know, we talk about in 2017 was when we first drank the drink. It's 2021, middle of September, you could round up to. And we haven't got a dollar out of this yet. Me and Liam haven't got a dollar, uh, a cent. Sue Min as well, the three of us have read this for four years and we haven't made a dollar. We've poured money into it. We've poured other people's money into it. We've borrowed money from friends, family. We've, uh, we still borrow our parents' cars half the time because they've got petrol in it. You know, so the word sacrifice comes up with, with the, the mental thinking as well. And it starts to beat you up after a while. Not beat you up, but, but it gets hard, you know. Like it's not seeing any return profit-wise for doing 30 hours. Originally, we're doing 60 hours a week, 70. You know, it's a long haul, man. It's a long haul. And I think we're lucky that so many lean live together in different rooms right now for, you know, the, the high-quality audio that's coming through. Um, but, but, you we know. We like, as well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> 
but, but so but we, we, we smash beers together we watch footy we punt we hang out we do all that dumb shit to keep us balanced and to, to make life still enjoyable but you know reading on linkedin about the 4 a.m wake-ups the 35 kilometer bike rides at 3 a.m yeah. the, the the 40 hour days you don't need to do that to have a successful brand you need to have a nice balance um, we're good at solving problems. We work together. Liam's good at some shit. I'm good at that stuff. Let's stick to our roles. So I don't know whether that answered a, a long-winded question, but the, the, yeah, the and, and in fact, the, the, yeah. One of the comments you just made where people, on, especially on social media, I think is, is uh, full of this, is you got to do this. There's like this rule book, right? Oh, there's a, you know, at first it was like a 6 a.m. club and then it became a 5 a.m. club. Yeah. And I think everyone's just trying to get one up on each other about the 4am club and it's like you got to do all these things in order to be successful like yeah i'm just wondering how much validity is there to that or is it just a ton of shit that people just say out there to make themselves feel better like what is it yeah in my in my opinion i reckon it's all shit like i think um yeah i just think with with things like sort of process and routines and stuff they're a bit like opinions you know everyone's got one but you know and they and they should be different and, and we shouldn't get offended that they're different or someone else has a different mm. process to you as well. You know, if I got like, I am the biggest asshole before 10 a.m., you know, just because I'm tired, I need a big sleep, you know, I take a bit of time to get. So don't bother, you know, if you want to talk to me before 10 a.m. at your own peril, you know, and I apologize, <laughs> um, you know, but at two o'clock or at 10 a.m., I'm, I'm the best guy ever. <laughs> so, um, the moral of the story is that Tim, Tim, Tim is now a LinkedIn influencer. Um, and I've seen your name around, man. Getting, I see you all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and if, if you want to get in contact um, and get him to sort of do a post for your brand, just email his um, manager. Uh, that was the purpose of that, but I'll take it if I get some extra cash out of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah no, there but, you go. No, but I, yeah, exactly. I agree. Like the, the, the issue is when you watch a Gary V video that he's obviously a, a genius. He's a hustler. You know, he's a very, very hungry guy. That's why he's done well. But the way he sort of comes across his messaging is he's sort of very demanding on whoever he's speaking to. He's saying you're doing, you're not doing well because you know, and a lot of his stuff is good. I'll, I'll admit, but it's it's more so, you know. Like I saw one the other day and he's like, when I, he's like, I promise you, like when I was 26, I thought 41 was a long time, you know, a long time away. Now I'm 41. I feel exactly the same. I'm like, that has to be bullshit. <laughs> that, there's no way you feel the same at 41 and 26, no matter what road you've taken. You know, if you, yeah, there's, there's only one way that you would feel the same at 26 if you go to sleep for 16 years or whatever. But Yeah. We're on a rant here. I don't know where we are. No, it's good. It's good. The, moral, the, the moral of the story is we, we don't change much. We don't change much. If, we, if the sun's out at 3 o'clock, 25 degrees, and we're in lockdown, and it's been, you know, shit weather uh, for, you I, know, I, I think the really time. good point out of all this is, is find what works for you. So for us at 8 o'clock in the morning, I mean, sorry, 8 o'clock at night, me and Liam are just tapping away, typing next to each other. So we know that we're good late. And then when we're cooking dinner, we've got our laptops out together, we'll have a red or a stubby. And we're talking about things. We're going, shit, we should, oh, let's do this, you know. We're, we're firing. So we've realized that. So we don't force ourselves up at 6 a.m. to be entrepreneurs. We sleep till 10 a.m., go get a coffee together, chill out, talk about sport last night and what's going on. And then we tackle it after that. And then we work till 8 o'clock. 
you know, so you've got your nine to five. But for us, we work a little bit late and we have a bigger break in the middle, but we're happier, yeah. we're more efficient and we get along with each other and every day is great. So we have found what, what's, what's worked for us. And we did try to push ourselves and get up at seven. Um, and we weren't efficient, which is ironic, isn't it? You get up four hours before you usually wake up and you're less efficient. Yeah. So just as a bit of a backlog for the audience, how, you know, we found what works and, and we stick by that and it's working. You said before, um, Tim, that you and Liam doing all of this, you haven't seen a dollar after four years. Why are you doing all this? Um, I think uh, there's definitely the end result, you know, financially. We've got some investors coming on soon. So I, I think we're almost there. There's always been the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think for us as like a three-year-old business, really, considering it's January 2019 um, and we're almost there, I think we've always progressed well. So it's, it's helped, you know, when we didn't get a store for a while, we got a store. When we had a dull moment online, we had a big moment online, you know, we've always seemed to take the next step, which has Correct. been quite satisfying. So, so the word growth, the growth's always been there. So you always feel the potential. We're always confident. We're always, we know where it's going, yeah. but it's just going to take a while. But at least we've yeah. had those baby steps. If it was just stagnant for two years, until our big break, we'd be punching on with each other. <laughs> um, but we've always had those nice little mini wins that, that just helped us get there. So I think that mentally that, that's helped us. Going 100%. We've got 100% equity. So, you know, like, um, you know, there, there's probably, there was probably an opportunity for us early days to, you know, with at least the last 12 months to give up equity and, and you know, therefore getting some money in the door sure. and to play with and... Um, you know, with that becomes maybe a bit of a sort of um, an allocation of wages for, for, for the both of us. But, um, you know, we've got 100% of the business. We've grown it to this far. Um, and, you know, a lot of the money made by the business over the last sort of 18 months has gone back into to growing it. So Every um, rather than sort of getting money yeah. from the outside, yeah, pretty much. So rather than going and getting 500 grand to, to spend on advertising and, and marketing and, and a full-time wage for the, the both of us at, at you know, the last six months, you know, we've just decided to put everything back into the brand. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I probably wouldn't change it. You know, I, I've mm -hmm. spoke, yeah, there's, there's different case studies forever, but I know people who are sort of on wages. I just felt like you would get complacent. I, I would get complacent on, on a nice wage from day one. It would just feel like a job as well, you know? So I you, think when, when we do get to the stage where we are on wages, it's, a, it's now a milestone for our business rather than just yeah. day one, you know? Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you talk about investment. How, how does a business go from uh, doing what you've done to then uh, having external investment come in with maybe an advisory board or something like that to really start whipping you guys into shape so no more late nights and, and drinking every night? Like, <laughs> how, like, where does that come from? Do you go seek that? Do, does that not, does that not come, come on your door? Like maybe talk, talk us through that process. Well, yeah. uh, Tim, you, I want you to touch on this most, but I'm going to sort of give you a nice segue into it because I feel like this is also another good point. That, um, we sort of have a mantra that we've got an event or something to do to go to that, you know, it's not in our heads, you know, we're, we're lying and we're sitting at home at four o'clock and we go, we can't be stuffed going to that. If, you, if that, if, if that um, ever thought crosses your mind, you have to go to whatever it is. Because I, we've just felt with the way that, you know, our business has run for 24 months or whatever it is, whenever there's a situation like that, something has come up from that event that we originally three hours before we're going, can't be bothered. 
to that event, do that meeting, make that phone call, whatever it is, I can't be bothered. Something good has always happened. Um, so with the event investment stage, it was sort of like we had the 12 month discussion um, and then it sort of was peaked around. I actually had a family wedding that I was going to and Tim was just done a shift at the cafe and was probably in his bed in his jocks uh, with this invitation to this talk. <laughs> Watching the footy going, I can't be fucked going to that. And then he went to it and then I'll let him continue. <laughs> yeah, so I was just in the city. So I, I, I moseyed on, I put my headphones in, got an Uber um, and it was a, a VC, one of the founders of Frank Body and the CEO of Linktree. Um, and they were doing a speech with a couple of guys I did a podcast with. So the funny business guys that were customers at the cafe and the now I'd call friends. Yeah, um, cool. So I went and supported them. They were emceeing it. Um, the audience was not dry, but you know, there's um, they, 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 like, they pulled me out of the audience and asked me to ask a question to the, the panel. And I was like, Fuck, okay. I asked a few good questions. And at the end, um, one of the, the larger VCs, so Nick Crocker from Blackbird, we had a beer together. And he goes, mate, you never replied to my, my LinkedIn. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I sent you a picture of Bay Juice because my wife bought it because it looked sick. And I thought, wow, if my wife's come home, brought something because it looked cool mm. without knowing the contents of it, that must be a pretty good brand. And so I looked through my LinkedIn while I was with him and I had a missed message that I'd never replied to. And he goes, mate, are you looking to, to raise some capital? I'm like, well, kind of, actually. Like, yeah, at the moment, yeah, we are a little bit. And this was sort of just the start of winter when we had a bit of a break between lockdowns then. Um, and he goes, cool, we'll come to my office on Monday and we'll, we'll go from there. And this is like late Saturday night. So Monday morning was at his office, told him what we want to do, why, the, the last 24 months, what we want to do with ourselves. And he goes, cool, awesome. I want you to do this person, this person, this person. And as I got in the car, my phone went ping, 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 ping. And I had about 18 invitations to meetings that he'd set up with all these other huge CEOs, angel investors, other VCs, CEOs of events companies. It was out of control. Um, but he just loved the product. He loved our energy and he loved our story. Um, so he just went out of his way. He wasn't himself interested in investing and introduced me to all these amazing people, checked in with me every now and then. And it's been a, it's been a pretty great relationship over the sort of last three to four months. So And so Blackbird's not involved with Bayjuice? No, no, not involved with Bayjuice, but, but yeah, Nick's wow. sort of been but helping. Help, yeah, cool, that's yeah, awesome. So, so we sent him our deck. He goes, nah, get rid of that page. That's shocking. What are you doing? Nah, yeah, add this, add this. Why haven't you got this in? So we're very lucky that that was our first baby step into investment. Very lucky. But I think to Liam's point has been at the right place at the right time and putting yourself out there and just getting up and doing it. So that was awesome. Um, and we've been going through the process now where I've spoken, all the people he's introduced me to, some love the FMCG space, some just love the brand. So it's been a really, really awesome few months. Um, we've got some cool little mentors that have helped us along the way as well. So we're, we could be a couple of months off having sort of a good six figure amount in our account, some really, really strategic partners and, um, um, even, you know, sort of in Australia and overseas. So super exciting, money's on the way. But, but I think just to touch on the, the investment for us and, and how we've gone through the process, it's been beautiful timing because we're not about to start. We're doing a shitload of sales in one retailer. Here's our forecast for the year. This is how much we've spent on our brand over the last two years. Let's say 200K. This is how much we've spent on our sales on payroll, zero. So as an investor, you're saying these guys have put quarter of a million dollars into building their brand and they've not paid themselves a dollar for two years. You know, there's some founders I probably want to back um, without, you know, tooting our own horn, but you know, it's made a hundred percent. It's pretty obvious. Um, and so every dollar I go, what's your cash for? Like, yeah, we're pretty good, except we did a festival. We did an event. We did a collaboration. We did a, a gifting box. Oh, okay. No worries. So everything you do is for the brand. So right now these investors are going, okay, should I invest in these guys? So 
anyone listening, you know, putting yourselves in our shoes, you invest every dollar into the business. You've got great sales. You've got good retail. You've got a great narrative. Your website's clean. You've got good founders. You've all got your roles. Do I want to invest in this? You know, where's my money going to go? Advertising, more sales. So it's not a no risk, but we've de-risked an investor by the hard work we've put in for two years, which entitles us to keep more equity and get more money for what they're giving us. Whereas if we did this two years ago, we had no sales, no reports, no experience, probably not as much business knowledge as we do now, just from being engulfed in it. Um, and we would have lost a, you know, half to three quarters of our business. So I think us holding off every minute for two years and going through the grind has put us in this position now where investor goes, you know what, these guys know the ins and outs of their business. They know their cost. They know what they need to grow the business. All they need is us to put in some money, take a step back and support them strategically when we need them. And that's the situation right now. So it was, you know, it would have been great to get some money early, but hopefully that explanation has justified why it's good holding on, getting sales, getting stats, building a brand, then getting them in with support, network, done. And then hopefully it's um, as smooth sailing as it sounds. <laughs> this is always difficult for us as well, you know, because you're going, not only is a product unproven, which is always a difficult thing to do at the start of a, mm. you know, start of the brand to get any money on the door. You've got to prove it can sell. And if it hasn't sold, then how can you prove it? But we're also something unknown, you know. Sometimes our parents even laughed at us with this hangover yeah. juice idea. So, um, yeah, a lot of people just thought we were sort of batshit crazy. So we thought, well, there's no point <laughs> trying to get some money in the door to get stuff off the ground because if your best mate thinks you're an idiot, then <laughs> probably some rich investor who's got no idea about the cream pea juice probably going to think you're an idiot too. <laughs> So keep an eye. We're going to have some cool PR coming out soon with uh, hopefully who our partners are. There's a couple of things that really stand out to me there. One is not getting so caught up in what's going on in the short term and not feeling like you have to have the result in the next three months or in the next six months because it's it sometimes might be the month after. To your point, you're lying in bed. You don't want to go to that event. event. Ironically enough, it's that one event that... Um, allowed you to meet that one person and then boom, it's snowballing from, from there on in. So I think that, that, that like that one thing really stands out to, um, to me. The other one, and I don't take this the wrong way. Yeah. Sounds like you guys like didn't even have a plan or anything. Like, meanwhile, you've got all these other companies strategizing and doing this and doing that and very meticulous about this and planning out. And it's like the outcome may or may not be the same, but what you've proven is that you're able to still achieve that same outcome without being so um, caught up and not so caught up in your own mind about how, how are we going to do yeah. this or how are we going to do that? It's kind of like allowing, you know, just letting, letting, it, letting it run with the flow and, and letting things happen yeah. the way they're supposed to happen and when they're supposed to happen. Uh, it might sound a bit blasé and a lot of people may not subscribe to that way of, of operating, but it yeah. sounds like... Am I wrong in saying that you've no, kind no, of- No, it works. No, it works. Hey, we, get, we, it, we, it, yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It, it, that's just what worked for us. And like, depends what you say, what a plan is. You know, like when I say, when I think plan, I think boring meetings with, you know, coming up with a business plan, you have a, you know, a novel size document, which just gets, well, you know, yeah. like it just doesn't make sense to me, but obviously people have done it before and it works. So well done. But we did, our plan was just to make our brand look like it was busy you know, and get product into the hands of as many people as we could. But I think the so, point there is, Liam, is, is that 
Like there's no one way for any of this stuff. It's the way that works for you or me or whoever you are, the way you want to roll with it, roll with it, roll it that way. There's no, there's no textbook that says you have to do it this way. And I think that that's the message that I'm, that I'm hearing from you guys. And that's sure. the best thing about, that's the best thing about starting your own business is it is your way. You know, if you, um, you, you, you go and work for any business, um, you know, especially maybe a successful one, you know, there's processes involved with how, how you deliver on certain tasks. So um, yes, you can innovate when you're, when you're there at, um, at your sort of in your job and stuff like that, but you don't really get to do anything your way. Mm, um, adapt and everything, adapt and which learn. Which I just think and, as well yeah. is why a lot of people piss off and don't stick around in jobs for more than three or four years, you know? So yeah. And the interesting thing yeah. you were talking about, Tim, before where you chat with people that are starting their own business and you might say to them, go go and knock on 50 doors or 100 doors. And when you catch up with them in three months or six months time and you ask them how many doors they knocked on, either that idea is not there anymore or they did they knocked on two doors and it didn't work and they gave up or people didn't respond to their email. Like I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that there's like this tenacity that you kind of need to have and just this oh, thick skin that you... You know, it's not, it's not necessarily you, like it's not that reporter that you were talking about, you, you reached out to on news, you reached out three or four times. You might think you're an absolute pain in the ass and that's yeah. you starting to get up in your, in your own mind. But yeah. you, you really didn't put yourself in her shoes where she's maybe got a million things on. She probably didn't even read your email properly. And yeah. then just having uh, respectfully and professionally and not being a pain in the ass, and just checking in, just yeah, that's it. Being completely open about it as well. Uh, I think it's just being all in. That I think that's that's what it is. You just, you've got to be all in, um, you know. And I think one thing we always say, it's my favorite thing to tell younger brands is, if there's a really cool marketing campaign or collaboration or event you can be involved with for two k, and you've got a thousand dollars, you say yes. I'm sorry, do you say no, or do you go get another thousand dollars? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I probably didn't nail that as well as I could have. But, but, no, I get but, it. But, 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 but for us, for us, it's we, we says we say yes to everything, and then work backwards from there. Um, you know, we go borrow two k, or we go quickly do some sales, or we re-invoice everyone, saying tat 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 tat, let's go, and then we do the collaboration, we do the activation, we get more followers. Someone pops up saying, "Hey, I saw you at that sick rooftop festival. Let's do something together as well." And you're like, "Sweet, let's do it." That's building a brand. That's risking it for the biscuit. That is how you build a brand. You just got to go for it. You don't tread water you don't wait for everything to blow up you say yes you make it happen you follow up you leverage uh, i think i think that that's that's the big one there and people don't go all in they'll say no to it they'll wait two more months until maybe they got enough cash flow and then they'll try it but it's just bang 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 you just gotta you just gotta go all in you gotta jump in well I, I was gonna on. i was gonna ask you sorry liam were you gonna say something no no, no. Uh, couldn't agree more yeah, I, like, I was going to ask you what's like the number one piece of advice that you'd give. I think oh, you've, yeah. hit the, <laughs> you've hit the nail on the head, man. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Tim, Liam, uh, awesome chatting with you boys. Thank you so much. Good luck with the brand. I think you guys have got a cool brand. I think your marketing's on point. Um, it sounds like you've got some investors coming on board, which is awesome. Um, and hopefully you find a pretty good PR, PR agency that's willing to jump on board. Uh, make sure you get your stock in, man, because I was uh, three or four Dan Murphy's stores are like, nah, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Oh, so. okay. Leave it with us, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Good Mate, chatting we're pretty, we're, pretty, we're pretty close to getting our own bloody uh, ship, I reckon, and um, yeah. Yeah, becoming full-time sailors. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Thanks, Thanks boys. Apple. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Ta.